Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're continuing our plunge. John and I are just setting up shop and just getting ready to plunge back into all these spy shows. <laughs> <laughs> and here is the newest roster to the assassin genre. It is none other than all seven seasons and the telefilm of Burn Notice. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, John, what was your foray into this complicated mayhem? <laughs> Well, for me, my both my dad and my brother watched the first season when it first came out. And nice. I didn't get into it until right after that aired and before season two came on. And so I was able to watch the reruns, season one before season two premiered. And I became such a huge fan that I was like, I got to watch this show every time. And Just sure enough, I did until the end. Very unusual. Like, Fugitive on the run, who's just be spy. <laughs> and I'm really just at a mixed bag. Like, it was always a running gag on SNL and just with the ads, how everyone would be like, "Hi, what is it even about?" I'm like, like the, you remember that recurring SNL skit? What is Burn Notice? <laughs> like, oh yeah. What, what? what is Burn Notice? I think it means just what it right. means. <laughs> exactly. Not that hard to figure out. I mean, almost everything's hard to figure out, I guess. But uh. I guess so. <laughs> so yeah. Long story short, former CIA agent, uh, former CIA agent Michael Weston is burned. He is <laughs> on the run from the CIA and a wanted man. He enlists his IRA and weapons. Stiller, an unofficial bounty, Huntress, Fiona. He has another ally who's an intentionally crappy FBI informant named Sam Axe. He has his overbearing mother, Maddie, led by Sharon Glass from Kangi and Lacey. And then he's got Jesse, another spy who he unintentionally burned, played by Cody Bell from Third Watch. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, this is my intro to basically all these actors. I would always recognize Jeffrey Donovan, the main lead. I recognized Gabrielle Anwar in a bunch of movies before she was well-known. Like, she started in a bunch of films with her boyfriend at the time, Craig Schaefer, and was in Disney's The Three Musketeers and Scent of a Woman. <laughs> and, yeah, Bruce Campbell has pretty much popularized him more. I already knew about Evil Dead and seen parts of Army of Darkness nonstop on TV, but <laughs> this was interesting seeing take it up to the next level it wasn't just 
people and 80 laid back hippie parents showing their kids, you know, all those other wacky movies and shows and VHS recordings <laughs> <laughs> of Frisco County. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely see him in part of some of his other Raimi shows, like Jack of All Trades and it was either Xena or Hercules, one of those two. <laughs> Probably Xena he was on. So there you go. Yeah, he, he'd come a long way. And I'm my un- uncle was a big fan of, you know, Ash. And it's just so funny how he never really took kindly to this show, even though he loved stuff like James Bond and <laughs> other buddy shows. Uh, so, yeah, you... You had your intro, your family was into it, and my family would just probably only see clips of it because it, you know, it was often airing after Monk or Psych, and it's like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> oh, it was. It was one of those spy shows that managed to be creative, but not only with the ideas, which, at least in my opinion, it didn't feel too forced or too cliche like some of those shows would be time and weston was a character you managed to that they sympathize with throughout when it progresses throughout the seasons and once you learn more about him and it's one of those shows that i always say knows what it is but it does mm-hmm. and it has a sense of humor by itself and it showcased, they showcased that with the characters, like with Fiona, who, as I always say, is just crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. They even say that at certain times. Particularly totally. Sam Ax, they always have the little banter almost every episode. Yeah. It's like a love-hate relationship, but it's... It's like they want to be Michael's BFF. <laughs> basically, yeah. That's the right word to use. It was a surprisingly pretty easy to watch show. It ranged from like TV PG to 14, but it was never, you could have it on without worrying about, you know, hmm, it's a little too advanced for, you know, you know, even 10 year olds or other family members. It's, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And it's, when there's any blood, it's pretty limited. It's like red dots. There's not criteria with this blood. That's what I say, which, Sometimes I mean, it's a little digital filmmaking that doesn't always match up or slow motion, but that's also not overdone true. either. <laughs> it's never... I mean, it is a rush TV production, so I, I can forgive that for the most part. And <laughs> if, I've said before, like, if I can have fun with a show, I won't complain. But if it's boring, then I'm going to notice all those mistakes immediately. Mm-hmm. And It kind of... It never gets too campy for its own good either. It's just like, yeah. No, it doesn't. It's an A-team kind of show, and yeah, I can either have fun with it or not. But, I mean, you already kind of... It made sense that it was a summer show, let alone that it was... Especially since it takes place in Miami. That makes sense, you know? Yeah. I looked up Wikipedia. They actually filmed it there, so... They did. Uh, It is kind of funny how they kind of make fun of how he dresses up like, you know, Horatio Kane on CSI Miami, but then they <laughs> yeah. step further and just kind of will have him doing just kind of mock training and so many times they'll basically have to intentionally lose a fight so that 
the bad guy can take the bait, like something he's going to give them that's not the real thing and, you know, get arrested so he can make an escape, you know, with whatever they're trying to steal. Or... And so that's kind of the whole scenario is like he helps out other people in need so he can make some money and, <laughs> and it takes a while and it's not really. It eventually, eventually leads to him finding out who burned him and. Yeah who's involved with that and you find out who it is it's very interesting and you get all these colorful characters particularly a lot of villains that we meet later on who are some mm. of my favorites in the series particularly yeah. with simon as I always mentioned yes as simon the one says who, the one who was his not only his biggest fan but just showcases how Absolutely insane he is. When yeah. You first introduce him. Barry Dillahunt's definitely an extremely underrated actor, and I would have never thought that he would be one of the guys in charge. <laughs> but he makes it worth almost every penny when he's on screen. He always had it's... a good level of charisma, and he could just kind of just really in when you just didn't know what he was going to say. Or and that was the fun of it with his character that you never knew. He was never predictable. That's what I like to say with his villain. Never. I haven't seen him in Army of the Dead, uh, uh, Looper, The Terminator Show, No Country for Old Men, and just plenty of other recurring gigs, Deadwood. And uh, he just would always just kind of whenever you see him on screen, you just know you're in for a treat. It's like, okay, he's gonna uh, either be a sociopath or uh, just some other just wacky, uh, just uh, invitation to just see how evil and corrupted he can be. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not only is it with him, but also with the characters of Vong and even Anson that shows up later on. Yes. Yeah. Which I still remember, particularly one certain episode at the very end, I believe it was season six, might be wrong there, mm-hmm. what happens to a certain character. I'm not going to spoil it if anybody hasn't seen it. Well, it's so funny how he had already originally played another Russian crime lord. <laughs> I didn't know that. Ah. Remember he, he played Roman? Oh, that's true. <laughs> so... <Yeah. laughs> Like, the only time in this entire franchise, you know, other than just the extras they had on here, just really just recasting <laughs> someone. <laughs> I'll on the show. So I'll name some of the various people on here. Uh, in my review, I had... Yeah, John C. McGinley from Scrubs, mm-hmm. key villain later on. Um, uh, Kelly Thorne as a weird... From Homicide as a weird... Uh, thief. <laughs> yeah, Michael Booker and Danny Pino. Hmm? Uh, Eric Roberts is there. Clarence Williams, the third. Richard Kind is a recurring baddie. Danny Pino from Cold Case and SVU. Brett Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Bunch of different Terminator bad guys for Stana Logan and Robert Patrick. And speaking of Xena, Lucy Wallace is on. Mm-hmm. And early season Battlestar co-star Trisha Helfer is the main villain yeah. for the first few seasons and 
Tyne Daly is there as like a bank receptionist. And she seems like in a similar scene with her Kenny and Lacey co-star. <laughs> she also got Danny Trejo show up. Trejo showed um, up. Andrew DeVoff was like a mob affiliate who owned Russian like a mob. Bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got the Russian like, part right. Right. <laughs> for once. Um, <laughs> Al Sapienza for The Sopranos. I really dug as the FBI agent. Oh, yeah. When he goes, Michael goes dark in season three, and he's like, you give me that. He is going down. <laughs> uh, Jared Burns from Justified was a very unusual choice. You know him as the bearded guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Robert Wisdom is another unlikely ally. Most might know him from as Bunny on the Wire. Uh, John Fighter Ferguson was on here. You might know him from Unforgiven. This was before he was on Last mm-hmm. Ship. Uh, Michael Shanks was an interesting recurring uh, villain to not be trusted. Um, and then, last but not least, um, probably Sanj Sanj uh, is the crooked federal agent. <laughs> well, I also got to point out Tim Matheson as well. Is yes. Really, that was... A very interesting character who was part of Michael's past and is somebody who seemingly never died. Right. Every time he showed up. And yeah, and he kept showing up in like later seasons, I think. And then it was just like, I I thought we were past that part of the storyline, but okay. But it was never an (laughs) annoying subplot. And it was always kind of played up as, oh, here we go again. They managed to fit it into the story, which I appreciated. It didn't feel out left field or. I can even see why he directed a bunch of episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah, he clearly loved working on there, you can tell. Right. He's he had the, Peter, with the role. He had the Peter Weller uh, device, or Mario Van Peebles uh, a habit of whatever show he's re- being a recurring director on, he's going to appear in a few episodes. <laughs> well, I wish um, you talk about directors, because they did have some pretty known directors, like Ernest Diggerson directed some episodes, even Randy Harlan. Correct. Two of them. Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger fame. Um, they had Tony Almeida himself from 24. They had Carlos Bernard here mm-hmm. as a... And he was kind of the most unusual criminal they kind of got close to. And Fiona legit wanted to save him. And then he like just keeps portraying him and won't listen to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was um, a lot fun to watch. Yep. Max Martini from Pacific Rim and the unit shows up and you knew he was a villain from the get-go, but it's kind of fun to see <laughs> if they can actually coax him. And he's, uh, of course, an unusual character for the actor to play, because this time he's just playing a meathead. He's not really all that bright. It's <laughs> so, like, do it all soon. <laughs> we also got ones like, oh, dear, Fayal. Shows up in season two at one point, along with Method Man, of all people. Yeah, Method like, <laughs> They didn't have as many rappers or wrestlers as I thought they would have, but yeah, they had them. They had Dean Kane in the same episodes there at Roberts One. That was funny. <laughs> we had the big show show up. Oh, time. yeah, okay. Yes. I remember that one. He was talking so much smack. <laughs> um, I didn't mind. Well, no, <laughs> that's what totally what the role had to be, but yeah, I was I was even surprised. It's like, who, who wasn't going to appear on this show? And it was a good starting credit for anyone, in all honesty. Um, oh, Crater, yeah. Crater Matt Nix uses a lot of, as close as I think he got to this afterwards, was definitely with uh, the good guys. 
And I, to this day, still miss that show. (laughs) (laughs) I should have done a crossover. He used some of the same actors who played the agents on this, on that one, as criminal Mm, informants. And if you can find a DVD of it somewhere, go for it. But um, then when I saw him do, he just kind of varied throughout later on. I saw him do that Gifted, that X-Men spinoff, which I did not care for. But then he did uh, APB, which... It's kind of the same kind of format where it's like people are using drones in the future and solving crimes and it just wasn't enough. Like there just was it, it took itself way too seriously. <laughs> it was like That's a shame they are. Yeah. It was like yeah. it was too predictable and it had a fun cast, including Ernie Hudson as the captain, and I was like, Yeah, well, he can play that role in his sleep. He's only done it a dozen other times. So. <laughs> um, I'm surprised he wasn't here on this show. Um yeah, I know. They pretty much got it all figured out with who was going to guest star and do wacky stuff. And the act, this was around the time social media was taken off. So they did pretty good at just promoting it. And um, nothing was ever safe. You never knew if someone was going to. So basically, it's like Grand Theft Auto. Keep keep your heat meter down. <laughs> but no one yeah, ever. It's never, it's never predictable. Like, who would survive who would die right and, like some some instances actually came very close to some of the characters dying which i appreciate it sure. there was still stakes involved right one. Well, well we'll get to the possible fatalities and what ifs but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know michael shot a guy in season one and the guy limped away but <laughs> yeah that did happen I guess we can say it's unconfirmed. <laughs> if the guy died, it probably wasn't from that stray bullet. <laughs> um, so yeah, it definitely uses MacGyver A-Team logic where you can... Characters are likable enough where they're nutty, but never to a point where it's like, okay, you know, this this guy's going to do some serious damage and kind of be a dick along the way. And it's never even like the Equalizer where... He's a vigilante with a set of rules. It's not grim or gritty. It's occasionally serious, but it's still just kind of the right kind of escapism. Um, they found the right kind of balance between the humor and the drama. Which and this was kind of... Have. Well, it was pretty much the forefront. USA Network was like, we got to relabel ourselves. We, we got to do... We're always going to have silly, laid-back, fun shows, but like this is the... This is a big deal. So, that's what they did that time. Not only with this, but also Psych, and even ones like White Collar, are they? Yep. Characters that will. As well. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know if that's even the deal nowadays. But I mean, I used to like seeing a lot of their fun ads, especially when they would play certain movie marathons and they would make custom ads for those alone. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that anymore. They completely the, changed. The format they are. I would love to know yeah. who did the voiceover ads for those because they sounded very similar to Jeffrey Donovan. <laughs> I know. I love to. So I would. Was too. I would wiggle my head for a minute. I'm like, did I hear that voice correct? Is that the same dude? No, it's a little off, <laughs> but similar, similar deep voice. Yet, I will say the show has a good level of sarcasm to it. It's never. <laughs> No one's going out of their way to be an asshole, but at the same time, they are very nutty. And I think it's a rarity because 
shows like this usually like to let the humor just get way too out of control. <laughs> well, like I said before, I mean, that's the balance. That's what I appreciated. All the balance. <laughs> it was, you it didn't feel too forced. It felt actually genuine between the characters. It could have been way more naughty, but it didn't even want to go there. Oh, yeah. I think we're doing enough mayhem as it is, just keeping track of everybody, giving them a purpose. <laughs> and you had like, the right kind of sarcasm. That's what I always appreciate for this. Particularly with Sam Max. Yes. He, he always loves doing that every time whenever they're doing a job. or Especially when they do a heist and somehow no one ever dies. <laughs> nope. <laughs> they just got that lucky right there. Uh-huh. Um... Let's go to the season four prequel movie, uh, The Rise of Sam Max. <laughs> ah, yes. The one that Jeffrey Darwin directed himself. I forgot about that. Yeah, he did a good hell of a job. Um, and um, <laughs> there's a young Pedro Pascal. That's right, guys. <laughs> I actually forgot that. He plays one so. of the right hands of the dictator who are part of the kill squad. <laughs> uh, at one point, Bruce Campbell does a throwback to his Evil Dead character Ash Williams by throwing a chainsaw out of nowhere. Um, but it's a fun, you know, Free Amigos Sam and Samurai parody. <laughs> Sam Max has to go all commando and defend a village. <laughs> dressed that's like all, that's all you need. Oh, yeah. He acts like Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> um, take a simple premise and they manage to make it work. That's oh, good. totally. And yeah, I think all together it was just fun. It's like, uh, wasn't Tim Matheson even the guy who recruited him at the beginning? I think was it's, he? I could, it's, been a while, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I could, I you can find it on Hulu mm-hmm. for those who want to see it. And I'll go into that even. I, I I think Hulu has been really good, you know, since it's co-owned by Universal and Fox. It's like, yeah, take all your fun shows that never get old for a lot of us and just have these on here. It's like, so anyone who wants to watch these shows, you can watch them. <laughs> this is one of them. Um, it's interesting how it's kind of very digital because, you know, you could tell when they started out, they were still filming on regular and it's like, and it got digital like, clearly along the way. So, oh yeah. <laughs> with the theme song, where the theme looks very staticky and you're seeing some speckles. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's in the pilot, you could tell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll let that go. I'm not going to complain. I don't know why I thought it started in 05. What the fuck was I thinking? I thought it started in 07. But it did start in 07, but I thought it started in 05. So. <laughs> well, Donovan wasn't Hitch, so that's probably what you're thinking. I guess so. I, I could have sworn it was on around 05. <laughs> I was mistaken. Um... I don't see any cable TV really replay this anymore, which is weird. I think some do. I forget what channel it was, though. But I know every now and then you see one of those channels, you know, play this, play certain seasons, not all of them. Mm-hmm. Same year as Chuck, and a few years later yeah. we had Human Target, so it was like, it was really cool to see kind of a spy comedy just becoming a thing again. <laughs> That's what I enjoy about this is if you like your spy movies or spy shows, this combines those. Yep, this is an even goofier James Bond. I was going to say, because honestly, I I could see Jeffrey Donovan as James Bond, to be fair. 
Like he almost acts like him. That's what Probably. He just would have to adapt an accent, but yeah. I well, know. I could even see him be a James Bond villain. <laughs> True. <laughs> Betrayed me, James. I mean, he could do accents. He proved it on the show. So. That's true. He did. I'm sure he could do it. What was the episode where he like had a mustache or some shit? Oh. He was being like a foreign investment banker or something. I think like, so. I'm forgetting which episode <laughs> that was. <laughs> I just remember he had like the Irish accents, which I didn't think right. was too bad. I played a lot worse than that, so. Right. I mean, he, he just hung around Fiona. And that's all he had to do. Oh yeah. And that's how they met in Ireland. So. And. It's funny, he, he's all, the narration helps reinforce the comedy without being too cute for its own good. He does a good job. Oh, they yeah. do a good job of even just like, yeah, and this is where we screwed up. <laughs> this is where, how we got locked in the criminal's dungeon. <laughs> we got but it fits within, it fits within the episode. This is not, it doesn't feel out of place because they have it each episode. So mm-hmm. it's. Like that, it's not entirely out of place like some shows would be. Like, just have a narration out of nowhere. Like, where did this come from? Never had before. <laughs> oh, we'll just do that. No, this was more consistent with that. Totally that's more why, consistent. That's why I think it lasted all those years when it was on for seven years. Seven years and, is a good run. And that's where most shows should just stop. <laughs> yes. I agree there. Yeah. Unfortunately, most don't. No, some like to go for 12 or 13 for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, I get that there's some shows that are just going to keep going on and on and on, but then there are other ones where it's like, yeah, um, you lost me, and that year was so bad, and so I don't, I'm not tempted to continue, even though people tell me it's better. Yeah. This yeah, didn't have this anyway. issue. Each <laughs> season's pretty short, like 10 to 13. It's like, there's only like one that was like 20 episodes, I think. It was like season five. Yeah, around <laughs> season five. <laughs> they even they didn't feel too long. They were just cram- cramming them in there. <laughs> well, the one guest star I forgot to mention, because I did think this was an interesting guest star they got, because when my dad pointed this out when it premiered, was them getting Gavin Ross deal from Bush. Yes. <laughs> I think one episode. He's the British bad guy. He's like taking a fancy to Fiona, and it's like, man, okay. <laughs> giving her the information that she wants. Also making her going on a mission. They did a really good job of promoting him. The oh yeah. Great. It's like musician Gavin Rossdale guest stars. <laughs> he is actually probably being a pretty decent actor, I'd say. I thought so too. Other I'd musicians. Uh, totally, and. I think like Mick Jagger, he didn't really, he took acting for what it was. He's like, it's not my main thing, but it is what it is. It's a job, people like my voice, so I'm gonna, you know. Let's just have fun with it. And that's why I like him and Mick Jagger, Free Jack, but that's a different story. We'll talk about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. The, he would've been fun to watch in the show, but, you know. Yeah, I wonder what he would've played. <laughs> what he had just I know. Played. Someone's crazy dad. I don't know. <laughs> I they do a good it. job of showing the titles and not breaking any. I don't want to sound like a snob, but they don't even do the screenwriting rules 
problems. It's like they don't give anything too much away, and yet they kind of keep it like a comic book strip. What need to know, you know. Oh, yeah. Just don't need to know, don't need to know. They still managed to showcase still some impressive stunts, even within the confines of a TV show. So there is the fights, which, yeah, some of them can be short, but if it's well handled and well directed, I won't complain about that too much. Or the car chases. The car chases are really good, especially the motorcycle stuff. And the show wisely just decided, is like, hey, let's not do too much. (laughs) Just do just the right amount. Oh, yeah, for each episode, just the right amount. That's all you need to do, man. Like you say, it... I mean, some shows are just naturally do this overnight, and... <laughs> <laughs> this place to build over time, you know, whenever it was on, and... So even much. When, even when you get to Jesse, Cody Bell's character, who... You do manage to... At first, he comes on, you're not sure... How he is, but he manages to grow on you, you know, when he goes along. And mm-hmm. they gave him enough to do. He was pretty much, and Sam was basically keeping an eye on them and just tagging along with Fiona and being the watchman. And he was doing a lot of just, you know, he would set the stuff up and go, oh crap. <laughs> yep. And he would help out when he can. Or... And that, that's good because. Any kind of show can't be serious. I find, especially in mid '80s or '90s, half the time we just make the mistake. Just you've had way too many characters, and, yeah. Or you're spending way too much time on this one character, and it's mm-hmm. like, sorry, they just can't carry it by themselves. <laughs> no, they can't. That's the one problem. With some shows. Was this at least had the right amount of people in the cast? Gave them enough to do, and you knew what they were, who was most likely to say was, like, okay, so uh, Wesson is going to have the oh shit look on his face, and (laughs) Fiona is going to say something nutty, like, I'm so looking forward to this, and yeah, Sam is going to do the whole. She's a trigger happy one. Right, and Sam is going to blow anything up. Sam is going to provide the uh, gadgets and say, hey, at least I didn't actually do the deed. <laughs> and then, yeah. And Jesse will probably just, again, also kind of be the secondary reaction, like, wait, <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Um, let's talk about, um, what's her name? Lauren Stammel's uh, CIA character. Ah, uh, yes. What was her name? Uh, she had a hell of a name. But yeah, I'm a big fan of hers from uh, Community, and she's guest starred in just about everything. <laughs> but yeah, she played Agent Pierce. Agent Pierce, yes. You've probably seen her guest star on just about every fucking show. <laughs> it seemed that way, yeah. Major Crime, Chicago Fire for about five episodes, NCIS, and uh, all the various CSIs. Oh, well, there you go. One episode of The Good Guys. There you go. Seems like she was a cool indie actress, and yeah, she just came down, and it's like her only recurring role, and I thought she owned it. Oh, she did. You bought her as this character. It didn't feel like someone trying too hard, as I say. Or I've even write, seen... didn't, didn't even write her as like a bimbo. 
No. So appreciated. Oh, and I think she had a really cool, she must have had a really cool agent, especially when you look at her earlier Criminal Minds episode. She had just like a brief walk-on role as like a, a secretary at the FBI, and she was just like, something's wrong. You know, it's like, so she had that kind of alertness. And I mean, her community role was cool because she kind of created a whole love triangle for that show. And it was just like, but she could kind of, she did a lot of dry comedy there. So it was like, I wasn't really surprised for her to be kind of just like, what do you think this leads to Weston? It leads to the same damn thing. Yep. <laughs> I have to catch you and you can keep telling me you're the good guy and everything. I still got to bring you in. I'm going to be tracing this call. <laughs> I really wish you wouldn't tell me this because I respect you, but I'm going to have to bring you in. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so let's talk about Fiona being turned into the feds. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was... Turns to be out so of funny. sham, and she's so mad at Weston wanted, you know, she doesn't. <laughs> Because she loves him, and he's like, nah, not doing that. <laughs> Come back with us. And that was certainly interesting, that little twist there, you know? What I expected. That's true. One <laughs> <laughs> way to close out a season. <laughs> or to help a way close out a season. <laughs> That's what I say. He wasn't done. <laughs> <laughs> Like, that's how you do a cliffhanger, folks. Right. Just to point that out. Oh, they, this knew how to do cliffhangers very well. You know, at least it managed to conclude what they have, but they also let's set up what would happen the next season. Yeah. I still found, looking back at this, Robert Wisdom's character to be kind of a little annoying, but they make me even more amusing scenarios later on. Oh, yeah. It's like, He's always just like getting in the way of both the criminals that they're dealing with and the feds. <laughs> it's kind of funny because both of them fear him, so it's even wackier how that all plays. Is that? Um, who was your favorite guest star? If you had any others to choose. Your <laughs> favorite guest star? Oof. Man, I'd be like so many name, but I think I gotta go to Burt Reynolds one when I rewatch that. Oh yeah. That him as like an old CIA agent. <laughs> Especially like when that. he wasn't doing much at that time and was known oh, yeah. was so difficult and it was just kinda cool to say, see some of the people they got in here is like, let's get someone who's famous but not gonna not gonna be too much, you know. <laughs> it was just perfect casting for him. He he managed to handle you know, the humor well, and you bought him as that character. It didn't feel like it was just playing Burt Reynolds just to be Burt Reynolds, like some people would do. Yeah. And, it must have been a real... We were saying the show shot pretty fast, and we could tell, so I'm sure that's kind of what it played into. I think that's why he managed to work so well on here, because, you know, like I said, they shot so fast. I'm sure he was easy, easy to deal with. I think they was, because I know they... I'm sure they just probably looked up front. It was like, you're doing TV at this point. We guarantee it's going to be a quick in and out. I think they love working with him. I think I've heard this in interviews afterwards, how much 
what it was working with him. You could tell. Didn't Jeffrey Donovan say something about that? I think I did see that. I think he did, yeah. At one point. And, I mean, you got him, I could say. Well, I say Michael Rocco, but it's just nice to see him anything. That's why I say. <laughs> um, Doing his Michael like Rocco. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going to complain. Come on now. I also say Lucy Lawless when she shows up. She was cool because it's like she's just playing this sniper. She's going around. Like what you, what you, at first think is like this troubled woman. Didn't she kill Trisha Helper's character? No, that was Fiona who did that. Oh, that's right. Okay, shit. Because <laughs> yeah, Fiona was like so trigger happy trying to kill her. And then, right. It was like, wow, it's end, just about to get two, <laughs> She shoots her. And you see the smile on her face. <laughs> right. She was like, I'm going to take you, bitch. bitch out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it was going to happen. But you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to complain. But. Holy. Now they have like a bunch of men. Oh no, one guest star I should mention because I didn't know he was on here until we watched it. it. Was Michael B. Jordan showing up one episode? Yeah, uh, I was Michael, surprised. People forget Michael made so many just uh, various movie appearances, and it is kind of fun. To, well, well, in TV show appearances for that matter, and it was kind of wild to just see him, kind of just show up and stuff like this where it's like, yeah, <laughs> he's going to be a client in danger or he's just going to be just another wacky face in Miami. <laughs> and he was like, it was, was his sister was in danger on this point. And yeah. His, his coach was Michael Irvin. I think that was his name. If I remember correctly. Cause that's who I was saying to find who's stalking Michael Jordan, his sister. And that was, yeah. Certainly interesting to watch. Well, that that was good. You needed that. It's like we got to have some stuff we can relate to. Oh yeah, they managed to do it well, especially when they go over to, you know, Marilyn's house and she treats them well. It's almost like they want to stay there. They don't want to leave, which I like, because that fits. That's how you would feel if you feel welcome home and. Yeah. That's how some people would act. So it's nice to add a little bit of realism in it, you know, to this otherwise wacky show. But it's too much to add those moments on here, which I do appreciate. Because, you know, some shows, they don't really bother with that at all. It's just like, nope, just go on with the action, and that's it. That's all we care about. And <laughs> yep. I mean, it's the truth, folks. I'm not lying. Trust me, because I've seen some of those. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it seems like, well, and I hate to say this, but TNT was making so many shoddy shows around the same time where it's like, you you get so bummed. Yeah. I, I can't name the amount of times I would say, oh, yeah, that premiere looks pretty cool. And then you'd see him, you'd be like, well, I guess it's fun, but it's not going to go down as the best show that you should see. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Falling Skies was kind of that way. It's like, I like it, but it's not as epic as the trailers made it out to be. It's TV budget here, pals. It's <laughs> a bunch of other cop shows that were just really lame. Um, shall we say, just, again, just the shoe knockoffs. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. 
but I know you guys aren't going to go the full way, so we're just going to see guys say, Get your ass down. I'm so tough. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it'd be the other way around, where it's like, I'd like the show, but the dialogue they used in the trailers was just like, man, that's just cringe, or cheese, cheese, cheese. Just like, I could write shit for TV. <laughs> It was that easy. I might as well write it. Come on, guys. Some of them I've been revisiting, and there's others. It's like, yep, nope. Hated it at the time. Hate it now. Oh, that could still happen with some. Trust me, they are. Oof. Now this, as I said before, this was one. And we mentioned with guest stars. I've, I just remember another one. Speaking of, we talk about protege before we start recording. Was Robert Patrick. Shows up on here at one point. Mm-hmm. One thousand himself. And yep. We talked that about was, yep. <laughs> that was also a interesting choice for one of your villains. Yeah, he lost two episodes, and it's fun to see him in that. I had seen that episode before. I revisited it in time for this, and it was just kind of fun to just see him. I mean, he's later on the similar show, Scorpion. Years later, yeah, which was well, my by dad's the, the shows now. Totally, it was by the creators of Chuck, and it's, it, it kind of made sense to me. It's like, yeah, well, on that, he's the straight man FBI guy, and it's like, here he's playing another guy who's you know been abusing his power as you know an agent, <laughs> you know, racketeer, and do other shit. And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> I think, yeah, Weston does actually cause him to die in that car crash. It's like one of the few times he breaks his rule, and it's pretty wacky. Well, that time, like, well, I understand that, so I'm not gonna right. that too much. At least it was a shitty agent, as opposed to, you know, a civilian died by accident. <laughs> Sometimes he had to break his rules, or to, you know, try to get what he wants, even if it costs certain people's lives. That's what. Right. Even if he didn't want to, he even said that at one point. Mm-hmm. But. That's, I keep saying, that's why I keep going back to this show every time. That this is why I keep saying, I wish there wouldn't be a movie that they made for this. Yeah. One. Our boss at the Action Elite did ask Jeffrey Donovan in that exclusive interview, and he kept saying, we and Bruce keep picking the studio's brains, and it just has not happened yet. I'm like, well, if you, I'm like, USA doesn't want to do it, Fox can do it. I'm like, somebody do it, please. I'm begging at this point. I think many hearts. You would think. I'd love to see some of those characters back. Of course, we can't bring certain ones back, as we know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But at least like the main four. Well, and it shouldn't, it really shouldn't take 10 years when people do other stuff. But some of them just don't learn. That's why some of these films. Based on TV shows, don't always work out. And USA and Fox have been working together on a few different things. Like Universal produced something for their network, and Fox have produced stuff for USA as well as NBC. And this definitely probably is one of the highlights because you know I worked on Queen of the South, and I can't just say it enough times. Just the show just had just the lamest writing, <laughs> and you just can't expect anything when it's based on a telenovela. Well, that's true. This, 
I guess you could say it was going to work because they knew how to just kind of just subtract where Joe goes wrong is when it just gets too silly for its own good. Oh, yeah. And we cast the right kind of actors for this, like Jeffrey Donovan, who is an actual martial artist in real life, which I didn't find out until years later. It was funny seeing him in interviews saying, they won't let me do my own stunts. <laughs> I think he tried, but, you know, of course, because of insurance and all, that's what They're going to reshoot is. it anyway just to cover them. <laughs> so we gave you the honor, but nah, guess what? You still can't do it. Okay, what's the point? Just saying. Why do you suppose people were being assholes claiming he's the blindest actor alive? I don't... I still don't understand that critique at all. I guess because they're like, well, he's not over the top. He's not trying to a cartoon. I'm like, yeah, but not everybody has to act that way, guys. You guys would have complained if he had played it like Caruso, so for all we know, so there you go. Like, he's not that kind of actor, guys. I hate to break it to you. Straight-faced guy with some simple theater and regular guest star acting roles, and that's what he played it as. Yeah, unlike um, some of those guys, he at least has shown he has range. Even not just for our action, but also for drama, totally. even the whole lot. And so. it's been so great to see him on all these Rick Roman Wog crime dramas like Shot Caller, as well as the Sicario films, and also like Let It Go, and even Honesty for Liam Neeson. Yes. And great to see him in that. And Wrath of Man, you can even say. Yeah, I haven't seen it twice now. I just don't remember anyone else in that movie aside from Statham <laughs> pouting, but uh, he he does look pretty cool just seeing him with glasses on. It's <laughs> like, because you, you still see a bit of Weston in him. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's... I mean, I think he's one of the standouts of that movie. Him and Statham and Scott Eastwood, to be fair. But, I do like Scott, but I don't remember him in that. <laughs> but, well, I do, but... I, I remember Eddie Marson, but... Um, uh, yeah, he's the. It's interesting how um, he kind of. I guess you could say his surprises are what make him uh, just stand out. And oh yeah, uh, it, this is interesting how this was kind of one of the few USA shows that like everybody had seen because I think they did play it syndicated briefly on some of the regular Fox channels. Definitely Fox 4. <laughs> I think they did, yeah. Fox Moore, 27, all that shit, because it was a Fox show. But this is most as I saw of it, and I think the DVDs were pretty cheap to get, so <laughs> you would eat Oh, them. they are, because I have... Well, I thought I had all of them, but I only have the first five. I think it's in like, the last two, but oh. I, can get, I can do that someday. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I... If my cousins had cable, they would totally watch this all plenty of times like they did Ocean's Eleven-type movies. <laughs> and I'd be curious to see them in like an Ocean's Eleven-type of film. Or even... I think that's kind of why it appealed, is like they just had it down to a T. Like, you're gonna... Uh, just, like you say, you're gonna have a wacky heist. and You know, it's all fun and games. Doesn't matter if the characters are technically an anti-hero or breaking the law. It's like, it's... Still showing enough consequences, and uh, you kind of feel for them because you know they're resorting to that because they got again betrayed by their own agencies. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would feel false otherwise if it was just all black and white. 
I think just go like the random cliches that we've already seen many times before with other spy shows, even spy films, even. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, you just a downward Run for punishment. <laughs> it's being chased by everybody, and that's about it. There's no character whatsoever. He's gonna watch the woman he just utterly notes down with an Avenger. Oh, I'll be good. Yeah, he doesn't really get into too many sexy love triangles. He mainly just kind of just... Oh, yeah. That's whatever what happens, probably. happens. And they kind of just keep it at him and Fiona. Yeah, will they get together without getting too shit flickish? <laughs> Which also appreciate. Something for the women. Sometimes that can be very corny. Mm-hmm. But they just do it the right amount. That's all I say. Totally. And that's why a lot of us still like watching this, because at least manages to blend different genres, but do it very well. It doesn't feel it actually feels cohesive, I like to say, compared to other shows. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely a lot of shows that were fun for a while, and then they got randomly dark. <laughs> it was just like, you didn't know if it was just bad timing or if it was always meant to be that way, and it just was rejected by the audience because it was just a rare bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that can sometimes ruin some certain shows when you just drastically change the tone. Like, I don't know why you even bother doing that. Just alienate your audience for some reason. And... Sometimes that could be fine, but here they had a consistent tone throughout all seven seasons, and that's why it lasted for that long. That's why everybody that has watched it loves it still to this day. Totally. Um, if they did a movie, what kind of plot do you think they would go with? Would that's they just have? Think. They have, like, everyone from all over the globe, CIA, targeting him, or would they go with something just more kind of maybe just him and Fiona in the Bahama Islands, you know, where they kind of leave it and just <laughs> and kind of just stumble upon trouble? They could do that, but it's like Jesse and Sam. Like, there's a certain job they take that they eventually need Michael Fiona's help with. That's they had to travel back to Miami. Didn't she say she had family? It'd be funny if she, they met some. <laughs> well, no, we, we, we met the brother one of the episodes. Oh, that's right. Yes. She had like a criminal brother. He had like some other distant relative. There was some other shit. Yeah. So I was like, well. You it was really over. funny. Start going. Well, I was saying you can bring them over. You can have some of the IRA guys trying to go after them still. But if they can Miami, bring John Cena from Psych, which was just a gag, and make it be a gag that transfers into the movies, they can do it here. And oh, they could do that, yeah. Maybe that would be the best idea at this rate. Just have it premiere on Peacock, Universal's network, or Hulu. <laughs> they can make that work. That's my other problem, too. They keep doing the whole, with all these shows, that they've wanted a movie for so long. It's like they missed their eye opportunity, but if they wanted to do it, they could technically do it over a cable TV platform. And I get that these used to have a bad reputation, because it used to be if a show was coming back, you were just doing the billionth, you know, reunion. (laughs) 
And that's true. Um, that could feel. Um, I know you didn't watch The Pretender, but I, I knew other pals who watched it for a while, and they thought Jeff Goldblum himself appeared on there. And Jeffrey Donovan, one of his first recurring roles, was playing the character's estranged brother who was trying to escape from a mental institution. So he hmm. knew too many spy secrets, and so it was so funny seeing Michael T. Weiss guest star on here because it's like, yeah, that's clearly a call out. <laughs> <laughs> earlier fame and uh haven't seen that show all the way through it's really you know he was already michael weston before he was weston <laughs> for notice <laughs> but um if anything it would be cool to see him maybe even do just other comedies and stuff because i mean shut eyes basically his you know falling down american psycho kind of role so he's oh, already played so many different kinds of dangerous roles. <laughs> I, I I really would like to know what he can do next. Um, he's had a few other psycho thrillers I haven't watched yet, but I want to because they're kind of like dead calm. But I mean, if anything, I think he'll just continually uh, just when he's not surprising us, he'll he'll. I think he's definitely going to get some kind of Emmy or Golden Globe down the road, or someone's going to try and to one of those award shows is like keep an eye on this guy he's dangerous he's been dangerous he was dangerous before anyone knew he was and hopefully they take note <laughs> well hopefully at this point or as i said before i'd be curious i'd be curious at least like since he booked he booked with rick roman bar now they're doing the next it has fallen movie it'll be interesting if he could join that at one point as, as like an ally or as a villain, it'd be interesting to get him as that. That's what I would like to see, at least at one point. Mm-hmm. And even him, maybe even work on with William Films on something. I don't know. It'd just be interesting to watch. Something. But depends on the script, though. That's what I always say. Hopefully, it's a decent script and not. A shoddy one at best. <laughs> <laughs> like they can go for that sometimes, but not for him. Give him a good one, guys. Um, but no, it'll be interesting to see what he, how his career will go forward at this point. Like I say, he's done all those genres. It'll be interesting to see what he might come up with next. Well, as we have with Gabrielle Anwar, I'm not sure what she's been doing now. Uh, just, Thanks. She was in a few other horror films like The Marsh, and uh, she's had some other interesting guest appearances, even other movies where I'm like, wow, that was her? Oh, she looks so different there. Um, definitely very easy on the eyes, but I think she's just always kind of been like many of these British actors, just was like, work is work, so she has no problem starring in any movie um, that's true what else did she do she did something way more recent she was really good in things to do in Denver when you're dead oh that's right she was mm-hmm. Lady Tremaine on uh, Once Upon a Time oh, I did read that but I didn't see that season so I can't say 
She did a few other TV movies, indie films. I thought I Murders was good. Oh, I forgot. She's Princess Margaret and the Tudors. Crazy Eights was a twisted uh, mystery, and yeah, she was in one of the librarian movies for TNT. So there you go. But yeah, um, she she's pretty much confined to TV, and uh, I, I just always dig seeing her because I just never. She's also kind of dangerous. <laughs> well, clearly, especially with her character in this show, but she's also shown she has quite a bit of range throughout the years, and totally. I'd just be curious to see what she can do next as well. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And Bruce is Bruce. You know, well, of he course. pretty much will only do anything with Sam Raimi, and I can't blame him. I'd probably be <laughs> annoyed by what offers I'm getting to. <laughs> you cannot tell him, you know, he puts a price on everything, so do not try and get him to be in some, you know, low-budget, shitty horror movie or action movie. You know, it's got to be someone like, Sam Raimi or a friend of his like Robert Kirksman. That's why I do think he's in Doctor Strange too. I have a feeling he is. Uh, he totally is going to be in that. Uh, I, I'll be surprised I, if he's not. I think he did say something about it on Twitter, but no. Okay. We don't know if it'll be a walk-on role or a big key role, but I mean, yeah, he he's so deserving of it at this point. And for I this to be well. the second stage of his career and it was also a hit, you know, that would be just an insult because he didn't do anything in the Oz movie. <laughs> he recognized him instantly, but he did nothing, literally. He was basically a feature <laughs> extra. Um, and, I mean, don't get me wrong, he makes plenty of great money just coming out with another outrageous funny book or producing another show that he appears on or mm-hmm. video game voiceover, like one of those Hellboy video games. So it's like, yeah, he... Totally know has come to love his place as a B movie actor and funny guy. So can't imagine. Yeah, that's why we all love him. That's why whenever they have conventions throughout the world, they always want to go see him. He's got another yeah. Evil Dead movie coming out, which is good because I mean the show, you know, Ash versus just left us with so much. So. Oh yeah. So I'd be curious what this new Evil Dead movie will be, at least. Um, Cody Bell, he's always got plenty of other recurring guest star roles. Unfortunately, right now, he's just wasting his time as, like, the head sheriff on Walker, Texas Ranger. So. Oh, is he really? Oh. Yeah. And he didn't, like most of these good actors who are in bad shit like that on the CW, like, you know. Riverdale or what ha- have you, you know, it was one of those scenarios where it's like, just walk on, walk off, get paid. Yeah. <laughs> but That's a shame. This I think those who are watching NBC will always remember him from Third Watch and definitely remember him from Third Burn Notice, if not that. So let me see what else has he done. He has done a shit ton of stuff. Oh, he has, because I've noticed him. It's interesting just seeing a mixed actor like him just kind of just really just sink in. And it wasn't about his race. It wasn't about his look. It was just about, you know what? He can do any kind of surprise. Let's see. All right. So other than that, oh, he was on The Gifted also by Matt Nix. So there you go. That's what I was thinking, that guy. 
these free episodes of Archer. Jesus. <laughs> the minor character. I did see the episode of Lucifer. Oh, that's right. He was on season three of SEAL Team, but it wasn't that huge a role. It was more in the background. Um, mm. Mad Dogs, the Amazon Prime heist comedy. So there's a similar show. And he was on the long-running uh, sitcom The Game, which was a spinoff of Girlfriends. I always saw parts of it because it was on BET like 24-7. Oh, that's what <laughs> I think that's why I saw him. He, there he I'm like, oh, okay. Usual kind of expected guest appearances, Halo Reach, you know, episodes like Half and Half, and CSI Miami. But most part, yeah, he was sticking to his guns and just, you can say he's got four huge shows. Oh, that's right. He wasn't that stupid sci-fi channel original movie show out in Aerial 51. But hey, I'm sure he doesn't mind it because... You know, that was a universal production, so I'm sure that's what got him the next gig. I'm sure. That wouldn't surprise me if it was what got him the next gig. Something. Yeah, I mean, all these actors are just very splendid because they took it for what it was. It wasn't meant, you know, just a fun summer show. And seven years is good. You know, you, you got to. And the movie was a fun event, and it's around the same time as some of the other spy comedies, but it was never a rivalry. I never had like a bit of rivalry with some of those shows. Totally, and just a competent all-together production. It's just really kind of getting sad when we're seeing all these other shows. Is like, like this is us, and then little things we keep talking about keeps having their. Like, people want there to be a rivalry, and yet the creators are cool with each other. So it's just like, why, I don't why do that you, at all? Why do you, it's not a reality show. You guys, you can go back to your reality show. You can root for someone to call so-and-so, you know, shitty thing. <laughs> but it's not what this is about. No, it's not. But not a contest. Not a competition. People don't care. That's what they want. I mean, it's fun to joke around and do amusing stuff. Like, I always try and make sure I have a badass gift to give to someone to show that I care. Mm -hmm. Brother will give me hell for it and be like, Hey, you know, this isn't, it's not a contest. And like, and so yeah, I don't consider it a contest, but at the same time, I'll just joke back. I'm like, Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this show, it didn't really play it safe. It didn't have any real one liners, but it didn't need it. It just needed, it's like here's a fun adventure each week, and I'm I'm sure that someone like H and I might Heroes and Icons cable channel might. Air I think that's who reruns it. Yeah, I think it's them. Oh, I haven't Not seen it yet, but I, maybe they did it at some point. I don't know. <laughs> maybe they should. <laughs> I think they have, if I remember correctly. Last time I checked, which yeah. it deserves it, like we said before. Oh, totally. Um, and definitely every other show that came after, like In Plain Sight, I don't think any of those would exist without this one. That's true. Because they were still doing the original programming that wasn't other crap, I call it. Yeah, before they got back mm -hmm. into just, now USA is kind of just a shadow of itself. I, 
I've enjoyed some of their event stuff that was based on some of their franchises. Like the Purge was a disappointing one, but it was still it was cool to know that they were keeping that franchise alive in some way. And the Born Identity spinoff Treadstone was neat, and everyone, including me, was like, "Why did you cancel this?" And <laughs> at least you wrapped it up, but fuck. Um, yeah, the rest of it, I can't say I've watched any of it. I've just it's just been reality shows and reruns of their other NBC shows. So I haven't been tempted to really watch anything on there lately. Same if, there's a, if there's a mini series that they can hype up, that they air side by side on sci-fi channel, then I'll know that they're serious, but yeah, I, I think they're just going to keep just syndicating stuff and just trying out far lazier summer shows instead of just something that is ballsy. <laughs> I mean, that's creative, or I don't know. Because many original, people, original folks. Well, that and people kind of remember from when they kind of embraced trashiness when they did USA Up All Night and. Oh yeah. Just reran Wings and other sitcoms they own nonstop, <laughs> and then they kind of just stopped that, and so it's like I don't, I really don't know what their identity is anymore. I know all the other cable channels like TNT and Spike TV, which is now Paramount, are now ballsy. They'll gladly let every show they have just you know have as much language sex and violence as they can mm-hmm. <laughs> um some of them have been good and some of them it's been just disappointing but i it seems like they're getting stronger um so i really don't know who's going to change the game because for a while it seemed like usa was just trying to outdo tbs and how goofy they could be <laughs> That's very true. And they embrace comedy, and so now I, I don't know what they got except playing Law & Order SVU marathons. That's all they got. That's a sad point. It's, that is sad. It's like, that's a good show, but I don't want to watch that every day. Every time, guys. Come on. Oh, and sometimes my sister would want to just do random marathons. It's like, I don't want them to pick an episode with commercials. I want to... <laughs> Plus, that's a complicated storyline. They're playing it out of order. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That's yeah, what like, I hate when they play it out of order. Like, no. Play it back to back. Yeah. And if you're playing Chicago PD, can you have it line up with the. Oh, that wrapped up on the other one? Because then it's just anticlimactic. Um, yeah, hopefully they find something else besides shitty reality shows because. I know what's best for Chris Lee, not ha- not being on the air. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Oh. <laughs> my parents, well, they my mom, my mom watches that sometimes. I don't get it. Oh, but, dear. Oh. Yeah, there was even a country singers competition show, and I was like, oh, Shania Twain needs money that bad? Okay. <laughs> I guess so at this point. I, I thought everyone stopped watching American Idol, but I was wrong when they apparently resurrected it on a different channel, and I was like, jeez. Oh, yeah, that was a few years ago when he resurrected that. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I really don't know why people tune in. It's like they just love to be angry at shit. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can't change anything. You're just wasting your life. <laughs> I was kind of like that, too, with that show, but I learned my lesson from that, so. I learned my lesson. Just saying, folks. Oh, man. Ooh. So here's hoping that movie gets made, and thank you for joining us for this special episode. <laughs> I'm always glad to be here. 
hopefully they get the right director for that. Hopefully. Yeah, and hopefully they get a funny script. Matt Nix is at least a consultant and actually see, overseeing it as opposed to, you know, make it even just be on a TV budget. And it's like you don't have to, you know, spend too much on it except explosions to sell the trailer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's all, that's all you really need for that. Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell, if he wants a certain cut, could just film his scenes in one day. <laughs> and for once, I'm going to get mad about that. As long as, he's in it, as long as he's in it, I'm fine. As long as he says something funny. And he's yeah. just a generally funny dude, just like any of these other Highlander or Star Trek people. <laughs> so, I mean, they know the business. They're not someone who's, you know, had just eons of plastic surgery or just better days ahead of them. <laughs> That's uh, very true, especially with some of them. It's not Chevy Chase, guys. I think it, I think it can work. <laughs> I think it was higher now, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it, and we talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, Pete. Yeah, yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you could think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't. Cussing the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. 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 Ah.
Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't run the listeners away, Peach. Ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. So we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How did you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. It's late, it's tired, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby.
We love your movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes of gratuitous boobies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven at eilfm.podbean.com Welcome to Who Was She podcast. I'm your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast, who Was She will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminoff. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zeminoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Red. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff. Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything. Pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life, from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series. 
an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today. And thanks for joining the adventure. Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. <laughs> and still, they just might be a little contagious. Hi there. It's Heather from the Watching Netflix Without You podcast. Did you know that there are over 1,200 Netflix original feature films and documentaries? And that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then, with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler-free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to Watching Netflix Without You on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. We now continue with our program. Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a jacked up review show.